0: Everybody, Bill Buckmaster, with you along with my buddy Tom Fairbanks, Tom engineering and producing our program on the other side of the glass, boy. Tom, this is what they call a Chamber of Commerce weekend. Seven mid seventies for the for the weekend, and uh, really nice uh, yeah, winter looks weather. Looks like it's
1: going to be that way for at least a week, maybe approaching two weeks. Keep your fingers crossed. Yeah,
0: well, maybe the maybe the fr- well, we had only four freezes. Uh, and usually we have as many as 10 to 12, uh, in a winter. So we are kind of, uh, behind that, which is not a problem for me because I don't like going out and covering all the plants. It's Buckmaster in the green thing, Zocalo village studio. It's part of the growing Bustos media Tucson presence here in town. Uh, We've got five radio stations here now under one roof. This one is 1030 KVOI The Voice, Tucson's only source for live local news and talk. We're in our 14th year with the radio show. That started uh, in January of 2011, our 36th year uh, as part of the Tucson media landscape. We have our worldwide live listening and uh, all of our podcasts, pretty much every show I've done conveniently archived at buckmastershow.com. Our telephone live line is presented by Rincon Ventures Real Estate and Property Management. Some of our media friends that I would like to acknowledge and I do so every Friday Tucson Sentinel.com, Green Valley News and Saharita Sun Tucson Local Media Group which includes Inside Tucson Business, Tucson Weekly, Oro Valley Explorer, Marana News, Foothills News and Desert Times. My co-media co- co-host. Well, that's kind of redundant, isn't it? Um, My media co-host today, Jim Ninsel. Jim spent more than 30 years with the Tucson Weekly as senior editor. He's now a political reporter for the TucsonSentinel.com. The funding for his position is made possible by the nonprofit Report for America. Jim, great to see you. Wonderful to be here, Bill. Always a pleasure to have uh, Jim Ninsel with me, and Jim was with me for so many years on our Tuesday, Friday, uh, excuse me, on the Friday roundtable. I was thinking of that uh, after I left uh, Channel 6. I think you were part of that anchor de jour thing that went on for about a year, a different anchor every night. Uh, yes, they. they <laughs> Which is uh, flattering to me. It took five people to replace me. Indeed, so. <laughs> it did, Bill. And, and, so. and even then, we couldn't do it. No, so, so that yeah it didn't work out. But uh, it was it was certainly fun while it lasted. Yep. Let's welcome now our Friday Focus interview. After 24 years as a local school board member and four years as a state lawmaker, Tom Horn served as the elected superintendent of public instruction from 2003 to 2011. In 2022, Mr. Horn was elected again to the state school chief position, a Republican and a graduate of Harvard. Uh, the 78-year-old Tom Horn served as the 25th Arizona Attorney General from 2011 to 2015, but lost to Mark Burnovich in 2014 that Republican primary. Superintendent Horn, uh, how are you, sir?
1: Oh, I'm terrific, and it's great to be with you, Bill, because you always allow enough time so we can get into depth, which I've always appreciated. And you and I go back to probably about 2003,
0: right? Yeah, it would have been 2003 after you were elected uh, to the uh, state superintendent of public instruction the first time. And and you were very gracious. Uh, You drove down from Phoenix on many occasions. Uh, from the Capitol to to be our our Friday guest on the TV version of our roundtable, and and Jim Nintzel took part in in many of those discussions. So it's kind of like uh, reuniting everybody here today. Um, Getting the band back together.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, uh, let's let's get this out of the way right from the top: the state funding for education, including uh, the well the 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 vouchers um, there seems to be so many conflicting reports on that these vouchers are causing a, a budget crunch is that true tom horn
1: it is not true and it's uh, proven without any doubt that the there is a budget crunch but but the vouchers have absolutely nothing to do with it uh, we have all, for all First of all, let me say people who thought that it was happening, when they counted the cost of the vouchers, they did not consider the fact that if a student who was in in vouchers would have been in public school, that would be a cost of thirteen thousand dollars a year. And with the, with the vouchers, what we call education scholarship accounts, or ESAs, uh, it's about uh, we give them about seventy two hundred. So they don't they didn't count the offsets. And the ultimate proof of it is that. We now have a, for all education, including the ESAs and, the, and public education, uh, we have a surplus com- compared to the budget of over $50 million. So that proves that we're not contributing to the budget problem. It's a total myth. And I've said it publicly a number of times. I think some people in the governor's office are slow learners because they keep repeating something that is clearly demonstrably untrue based on the numbers.
2: Wait. When uh, when you say there is a budget crunch, and then you say you have the surplus, can you clarify that?
1: Yeah, the surplus is in the education part of the budget. The budget crunch is for the budget as a whole. Okay. And so so the cause of the budget crunch is something other than anything having to do with education.
2: And in in terms of the surplus, is is any of that. Uh, Funds you've received from the federal government for the COVID stuff—will that be going away, or can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Well, the um, the COVID funding—we got quite a bit of funding from the federal government for to, to to make up for learning loss. That is currently scheduled to end next September, but there's talk about the federal government extending it because a lot of states have not have not are not on a path to have spent all the money that was allocated to them. So we don't know for sure when it would end. It earliest would be next September.
2: How are we doing on spending the money that's been allocated to us?
1: Well, um, there, there are two parts of that. There's one part that it went directly to the districts. That's the great bulk of it, really. Um, and so some districts are doing fine. Others are behind. Uh, with respect to the, the, the State Department of Education portion, uh, we have... As you may have heard, we cancelled some of the awards that were made by my predecessor because they weren't really academically oriented. They weren't oriented toward improving academic outcomes and making up for learning loss, which is what they're intended for. And we're we're devoting that to tutoring now. So, uh, uh, hopefully, the tu- you know my obsession is raising academic outcomes in the schools. Uh, that that that's what we're all about. That's what 90% of my energy and the energy of the department are about. And we think tutoring will be a good way to try to raise that, that those academic outcomes.
2: And just one other follow-up on the, on the students leaving schools. Does, does that really save a school 13,000 a year? Are, are there fixed costs that just don't go away? If a, if a few students leave a public school.
1: Uh, yeah, that, that would be a, it would be a long-term calculation In a given year, it might not be equal, but, um, uh, if the there are the schools do have fixed costs and, uh, you know, when I served on the school board, we had to close some schools and it was politically very difficult um, because the parents tend to be very patriotic about their schools until they experience another school and find that their kids are doing fine at another school. Uh, but it's the only financially responsible thing to do is if you if you have so much of a decline that it, it no longer makes economic sense because of the very. Uh, fixed costs you're talking about, then you close the school. That's that's the only responsible thing to do.
2: So, as as more students leave for voucher programs, you you see more closing of public schools.
1: Well, it, the effect isn't very big. We have seventy four thousand students in the ESAs, and we have a million one hundred thousand students in public schools. So, it's a it's a small part of the picture, and uh, you know it gets a lot more news coverage because it's more controversial, but. The great bulk of what I'm focusing on is the public schools. They're the great bulk of, of our, where our students are.
0: And you you have been the target of 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 some well, let's put it this way, uh, rather unflattering letters to the editor in our uh, yeah. paper, the Arizona Daily Star, saying that you're really not that concerned with with the public school, uh, the traditional public school. How do you answer these critics, Tom Horn?
1: Well, as I say, 90% of my efforts go toward improving the schools. I have, I have currently 19 separate initiatives that have nothing to do with the ESAs. They're all about the public schools. We have improvement teams that go out to help schools that are not, not doing so well. We have um, data collection that helps the schools improve their performance. We have 19 different initiatives going, which, none of which existed before I took office, and, and we've done a lot in my first year in office to help the public schools do better. That's what we're really all about. And, you know, unfortunately, there's no way of of um, filtering whether people who write letters to the newspaper know what they're talking about or not. <laughs>
0: yeah. um, you are a member, one of the 12 members of the Arizona of Regents. Uh, yes, eleven are voting members. Uh, there's one member that is a non-voting member. That's the student representative. I'm just wondering about your take on the University of Arizona and the financial problems they're going through. are Are you uh, uh still standing behind uh, President uh, Robbins at this point, Tom Horn?
1: President Robbins is one of my heroes. I think he does a terrific job. Um, I think that, you know, it's very unfortunate that this that this problem with the finances came up, because I, I think he was being very heroic. Uh, we have some uh, we have a, a, a faculty Senate that is very much on the left. Uh, I don't I think they're elected by a fairly small number of people and they uh, they're not representative, but they are allowed and uh, he, under that difficult circumstance, I think he's done a terrific job. So you can count me as a fan of of Bobby Robbins.
2: And in terms of some of the financial decisions that were made at the university, uh, particularly the amount of money that they've lent to the athletic department, do you think those were wise choices?
1: You know, I wasn't there when those decisions were made, so I, I, I'm really not qualified to pass judgment on
2: that. But as a member of the Board of Regents, aren't you supposed to review that?
1: yeah as budgets come up we do review them but uh but you're talking about I've only you know I was I was a member of the board of regents for the 8 years that I was superintendent the first time then I was attorney general and then I was in the back in the private practice of law now I've been back only for 1 year so Uh, So the decisions you're talking about predate me, and and I don't want to pass judgment.
0: How about the online university uh, that the University of Arizona got involved with? Do you think that was a wise decision?
1: Yeah, again, I wasn't part of that decision, and I I don't want to criticize anybody. Um, There are pros and cons. They got a fair amount of money up front, and then uh, the, the project hasn't been as successful as they'd hoped uh but um i'm again i'm not going to I have enough controversies on my plate of things that I know a lot about. (laughs) I'm not going to wade into waters, you know, that I really don't have a lot of knowledge of.
0: Why don't we take the break right here, because uh, Jim Ninsel and myself have a lot more for you, uh, Tom Horn. But right now I want to talk about my favorite bakery in town, and uh, that is Mona's Danish Bakery, home of the Danish Kringle. Uh, Mona's is now uh, pouring uh, alcoholic drinks. Uh, you can now have a, a beer or a glass of wine with your lunch uh, up what, at Mona's. Bill, what pairs well with a cringle? <laughs> is it uh, a mimosa, perhaps? Uh, it it is the mimosa. Thank you, Jim. Uh, that's what they're they're really looking at, uh, expanding that part of the, uh, part of the business. Uh, so your orange juice and, uh, champagne, uh, now available the mimosa with your breakfast at Mona's. Um, I'm sure many people this weekend will be asking for the mimosa, uh, when they do their Kringle and, uh, their, their eggs up at Mona's Northeast corner, Swan and Sunrise Mona's Danish bakery.com is the, the, uh, location for their website, which really has some beautiful pictures of everything on the menu uh, that will tempt you. So uh, when you stop by Mona's, you'll be ready. All right, take a break right here. Friday Focus interview with Tom Horn, Superintendent of Public Instruction in the state of Arizona, and Jim Ninsel from the com. Be right back. Family-owned Jam Culinary Concepts and its family of restaurants has you covered for your special event. Jam caters anytime, anywhere, any size group, and any type of cuisine. Vero Amore, authentic Neapolitan pizza, and noble hops. Craft beer and fine fare are synonymous with quality. Call 954-1468 or log on to jamculinaryconcepts.com. Buckmaster Show listeners know that I'm passionate about travel. When I'm ready to take off on a new adventure, my air travel begins and ends at Tucson International Airport. TUS is nonstop for our community and Southern Arizona. So remember, to fly local, fly Tucson. Tucson International is nonstop for Tucson. More at flytucson.com.
3: The Regional Transportation Authority's 20-year plan includes roadway, transit, pedestrian, bicycle, and many other transportation improvements across the region. Pima County voters approved the plan in 2006, and the RTA is finalizing a new 20-year plan for RTA board review and approval to seek public feedback on the draft plan. Sign up at RTANEXT.com for updates. The Green Valley News and Sorita Sun cover two of Arizona's most desirable communities. The newspapers reach more than 75% of the communities each week, with a combined population of more than 50,000. The Green Valley News also publishes a dozen magazines each year, and both newspapers publish up-to-the-minute local news online at gvnews.com. The Green Valley News and Sorita Sun, it's all right here.
0: Cushman & Wakefield PICOR is Tucson's leading independently-owned full-service commercial real estate company. Founded in 1985, Cushman & Wakefield PICOR offers leasing, sales, and property management for industrial office, medical, retail, land, and investment properties in Tucson and Sonora, Mexico. Visit our website at pycor.com for the latest news from Tucson's commercial real estate sector. That's pycor.com. Call us at 748-7100.
3: For more than a half century, Tucson Gardeners trust Green Things, a family-owned and operated retail and wholesale plant nursery, offering an amazing variety of plants, trees, cacti, pottery, and so much more, all at great prices. The 13 and a half acre site by the Rieto River is also home to the Zocalo Village, specializing in fine Mexican and Latin American imported furniture and art. Green Things open daily at 3384 East River Road and at GreenThingsAZ.com and ZocaloVillage.com. Welcome back. It is
0: the Buckmaster Show, Friday Focus
3: interview. Mr.
0: Tom Horn is with us, Superintendent of Public Instruction for the state of Arizona. Jim Ninsel's here. He is the political reporter at TucsonSentinel.com. Uh, Mr. Horn, I know that uh, you're a very big supporter of what we call school resource officers. Uh, I think we have now over uh, 300, and these are armed uh, individuals. Uh, could we use a lot more?
1: Oh, we sure could. I, uh, you know, my ambition is that we have one in every school because the worst nightmare that I have is that a, a maniac invades a school, kills 20 kids, as has happened in other states and could happen here. And, you know, we've, we fund as many school resource officers as, as schools ask for. We haven't denied a single request for a school resource officer. And so if the parents found out that the school could have had a school resource officer and decided not to, paid for by the, you know, by our appropriation, the Department of Education. Uh, you can imagine how the, you know, the parents of kids who, who get killed never recover from that. You imagine how they would feel about that decision making. We have got to keep our kids safe. We've got to keep our, our, our staff safe. And there, there are some additional benefits because they teach the kids uh, a law class. They're there all year. They become friendly with the kids. So the kids get a much better attitude toward police for the rest of their lives, really, than they would have. They learn the police are not their enemies. They're, they're, they're people they, they can trust. And uh, so I think it's very, very important that we have as many police res- resource officers as possible.
0: But you say you have some money for some more then, huh?
1: Well, uh, we, we had it's, it's a three year appropriation. So we've exhausted last oh. year's appropriation. Um but it, it, in the schools have a right to choose do they want a school resource officer or do they want a, a a mental health professional such as a social worker or a counselor um and so uh but but the but the a footnote to the budget said that we had to give preference to the school resource officers so so everyone who asked for a school resource officer um, got one the schools that ask for uh, for Uh, uh, mental health professionals, uh, we were able to fund all of the ones that were existing, which is about 500. Um, uh, But we weren't able to fulfill all those requests, but we did fulfill all the requests for school resource officers.
0: All right. Let's bring in Jim Nensel from TucsonSentinel.com. You know, when you took office, you you launched this
2: Empower Hotline for people to report inappropriate lessons in school. And, and one of the first things you announced uh, as, as those calls came in is you were investigating a case right down here in the Catalina Foothills School District. Well, what was the outcome of that?
1: Yeah, I don't remember the specific case. If you give me a hint, I can tell you what the outcome was.
2: <laughs> you know, I, th- I think the folks at Catalina Foothills were kind of confused too because they, they found out you were investigating them, they said, as a result of the press conference, and they weren't quite sure... What it was all about, either. I, um, so I, I believe it had to Could do with been. with an old spreadsheet that was no longer in existence, regarding pronouns and uh, kids who were oh, yeah. transgender.
1: Well, no, that's a that's a serious issue, Jim. allowing <laughs> Allowing kids to change their pro, pro, pronouns without informing the parents is a violation of state law. We have a state law that makes it illegal to discourage kids from uh, from sharing information with their parents and and what they were doing was in their questionnaire they said you know what pronoun do you refer and then they said do you want us to keep this from your parents or not that's just, just a straight outright violation of law the, the, well, the, the, you're not supposed to keep that thing those things secret from the parents there, nobody cares about the student as much as the parents do when the, when the child is born that's the whole life for the parents and they, they're very devoted to their children. It's the most fundamental uh, human instinct. And to, to keep that kind of information from parents, I think, is outrageous.
2: It, but the folks at Catalina said that that was an outdated report and or or, or outdated spreadsheet, and they hadn't used it in years when you took office. Are, 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 well, is that accurate? Or? Yeah,
1: they, I don't know because they didn't, it's, you know, a lot of times I say, if you have a complaint against me, call me. Uh, I hadn't heard from them, so I don't. I don't. I hadn't had a chance to check that, but I will tell you, we got some very interesting calls. I, I was going to ask that. What, we,
2: what, how many? How many uh, legitimate complaints did you receive? Because I know there were a lot of uh, a lot of prank ones.
1: Yeah. The, the well, the 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 pranks were organized. They thought they could overwhelm us with pranks, and um, uh, that happened in Virginia, where the. Where they gave up their hotline because they got so many prank calls, we had a little more tenacity than Virginia had, and we just ignored the the pranks and just focused on legitimate calls. I think the most interesting one we got was from not from a parent but from a teacher who was subjected to professional development at the in the Mesa School District, where where the teacher sent us a a a visual. Showing the visual that had been used in the professional development that said the United States was a white supremacist country, so we called them, and that's not there anymore. Uh, you know, I think I think the the hotline serves a valuable purpose. Parents became much more involved during COVID. That was a silver line lining of COVID because teaching was online, so the parents could see on the computers what the kids were learning, and a lot of them were outraged, and they and they went to school board meetings, and they weren't always treated. Uh, with courtesy at the school board meeting, so I gave them a, a, a method to communicate with me if the school boards were not were not uh, receptive to to what they had to say, and uh, and I think it, it, it's a valuable service for parents. Interestingly, the teachers union interesting the teachers union called for a march on the Department of Education to protest the hotline. We have sixty thousand teachers in the state, and I'm sure they're. Walter Mitty fantasy was about a huge a protest march. Uh, nine people showed up.
2: You know, when, when you mentioned that the teacher was subjected to that, one, one of the things the Mesa School District said was it, was it was voluntary. So when you say subjected to, it sounds like he was there by choice.
1: That doesn't belong in professional development, even though professional development is always voluntary. But it, but But that kind of statement that the United States is a white supremacist country has no business in professional development of teachers. It's, it's a, it shows a situation where the school board has been taken over by ideology rather than focusing on their academic duties, and th- that's one of my issues. That's something I'm delighted to talk about at any length you want because I- I'm against putting ideology into the schools, and instead of academics, we've got to raise the academics. All this ideological stuff they've done, our test scores have not done well. We've, and, we've got to focus on reading, writing, uh, math, science, and history, and not telling kids that this is a white supremacist country. I think that's outrageous.
2: And in, in terms of outside of the Mesa complaint, how many, how many legitimate complaint, complaints has your office investigated from that hotline?
1: I don't remember the exact number. We've had some where when we called the principal— the principal said he was on top of it. He knew about the problem and he'd solved it, and that so we would drop it. In other cases, we've we've looked into it, and in all the cases that I know of, uh, if there was a problem, it stopped. I don't. I'm not aware of any cases where the school insisted on continuing something that we thought was improper.
2: Are you? Are we talking about dozens or hundreds or
1: dozens? Probably
2: dozens. Okay.
0: What about one of the one again, the letters to the editor have just really racked you over the coals on the decision to uh, to post uh, on the the department's website uh, the videos from, uh, the nonprofit group uh, run by uh, the talk show host, who actually has a, a program right here uh, on Dennis KVOI, Prager. Dennis Prager. Uh, how do you yeah. de- how do you defend that uh, superintendent Horn? Sure.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, no. Did by the way, did I hear? Did he just precede your program? <laughs>
0: yes, he does precede
1: my. Program. Okay, so he's so he's a com- comrade of yours. Well, um, uh, <laughs> well, let me say this. The, the the Prager, you know, I'm not I'm not imposing anything on anyone. I'm, I, uh, we're a local control state, and the districts choose what they want to do as far as curriculum. What we do at the state level is establish standards, and which is what kids should know and be able to do at the end of a, a given school year. And we test for it, and if the kids, uh, and then it's up to the districts to to do a, choose a curriculum to to deliver those standards. If the test scores show the kids are are learning the standards, we ignore it. If the if the test score shows that they aren't, then then we get involved. But um, but the curriculums are up to the districts. All I do is is let them know it's available, make it available to them and to the parents, and um, I think it I think it's very valuable. It's 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 objective history. It has a patriotic aspect to it, which I think is fine, um, and. And that people can choose it or not choose it, but the attacks on Dennis Prager have been wildly inaccurate uh, and and made up. I'll give you an example. There's a there's a lesson in which they have it's like a cartoon. They have Cl- Christopher Columbus expressing his views on slavery, and they use the historical views that he actually expressed. And then they have uh, kids from from this century saying, "Well, in our century, that would be abhorrent." Um, so the critics, they cut out the part about what the kids say. They accuse Prager of being for slavery because he's accurately quoting Christopher Columbus in a in a uh, in a historical way. So it, it, it's it's kind of it's cancel culture at its worst.
2: And Prager himself says that the materials are designed to indoctrinate in his, uh, in, in an interview with NBC news. And I, I'm just curious cause you're, you're, you, you were concerned about the ideology, uh, on the left in the, in the training session up in Mesa and the, the talking to adults about white supremacy, uh, and, and its history in America. Are you, are you concerned about uh, a similar, uh, indoctrination on the right?
1: Well, you know, I don't know what you mean by the right. I mean, as far as Dennis Prager goes, I don't think it's indoctrination at all. It's it's accurate history. Uh, well, he says it is. well. I missed that, so uh, you know, I just don't know. But uh, but I don't think it's indoctrination. I think it's it's he's trying to convey accurate history. I think I think with including things that are patriotic are perfectly legitimate in a in a free country that that in which all of us should be. Very grateful that we're blessed to live in this country, um, but I don't I don't think of it as right wing propaganda at all.
0: You have had a rocky relationship with the the district here, Tucson Unified School District. Uh, how do you think they're doing right now?
1: Not well, not, not well. I mean, not well. There are a lot of good things. Okay. No, I don't think so. But I'll tell you, you know, that's that's a generalization. There's a lot of specifics there. There are some great things going on in that district. I've been down there many times to honor schools in the Tucson Unified District. Um, one of the things that I have that I have preached to the rest of the state that they should copy is the opening minds for the arts program in in Tucson Unified, which I think is a fantastic program. And I, you know, I, I they, they have all the kids play recorders and then they have them all play violins. I've i I've arrived at schools where I'm greeted by the whole student body playing playing violins and violas and and cellos and I think that's fantastic and I've and I've told people in my office to try to get other parts of the state to copy that but um, but there's there's a ethnic studies program which I think is outrageously racist Um, my philosophy is we're all individuals we're entitled to be judged by what we know what we can do what is our character what is our ability to appreciate beauty and race is irrelevant it's not relevant to anything and, and in ethnic studies, they teach the kids that race is primary. And I have, I'm very, I'm probably more knowledgeable about this than anybody in the country because I read their entire curriculum and their, their textbooks, their worksheets, the whole thing. They have worksheets where they draw a line on the middle of the page. And on one side are the qualities of people of color, and on the other side are qualities of whiteness. And the qualities of whiteness are all negative, like, like uh, whites interrupt too much. So so they promulgate stereotypes. They look to divide kids by race. That's exactly the opposite of what our public schools should be doing. They should be teaching kids to treat each other as individuals and not pay attention to race or sexual orientation or anything else like that.
0: Um, We're quickly running out of time, Jim, so let's see what you've got.
2: Uh, actually, I've, I've rolled through my whole uh, through list your... here already, Bill, okay. so uh,
1: I'll, I'll pass it back love... to you okay bill bill i'd lo- I'd love to go another hour. this is great great discussion
0: yeah um I do want to bring this up, and it's important. There's a bill on the legislature that would mandate school cardiac arrest emergency plans could you <laughs> could you address that briefly
1: i'm not, I'm not really familiar with it but uh, offhand it sounds like a good idea
0: mm-hmm um the American Heart Association says that uh, we should have uh, that all the schools uh, there should be somebody that knows CPR uh, at all the schools. And it does sound like a good idea, doesn't it?
1: It, it does, absolutely. Yeah. All right, Mr. Horn, you know, go ahead. I'll just say really quickly. Although ninety percent of my efforts go into academic matters, I've also been big on on healthy eating and and uh, exercise. Uh, and there are studies that show that kids do better academically. But um, you might remember in my first term, I fought a long battle, which I ultimately won, to get sugared so- sodas out of the um, vending machines in the schools. I've been urging the dietitians to buy uh, whole wheat bread, not white bread, even though the, it's a little more expensive because it's much more nutritious for the kids. So so safety and and health are a big part of what I'm about, even though... As I say, 90% is about academic. I want to raise the academics of our schools. You
2: do have that new partnership with Dr. Oz. Yes. And is that costing the
1: state anything? No, it's all free.
0: Uh, Tom, on the other side of the glass, uh, just sent me a nice message. And it's a good question. Why not have the resource officers trained in CPR? Maybe they already are, but uh, I don't know if that's that's on your uh, radar.
1: I would guess that they are. I would I would think that's standard training for all police officers. But we do a lot more training. You know, if you're a school resource officer and you might be in a situation where you have to deal with an invasion, um, they get a lot more training from us than than just the, the police officer training because the school invasion is a very, very high tension situation, and people have to be very well trained to deal with it, and we've really led the country. We've used uh, Navy SEALs to train police officers as to how to handle if they get in an invasion of their school. And so I'm very proud of the training that we've provided to these officers.
0: All right, Mr. Horn, uh, we're going to let you go. Thank you, and we'll catch up with you in a couple of months.
1: Please do. I I love being on your program, Bill. It's rare to have a chance to go into depth in things, and I appreciate you for that.
0: Thank you very much. Tom Horn, uh, always a pleasure. Have a great afternoon. Thanks. You too. Thanks. All right. Uh, I want to talk with Jim Ninsel for a few minutes, so we will take a break right here. Our thanks to Superintendent Horn for giving us uh, about 40 minutes of his time.
3: We'll be right back on our Buckmaster Friday edition. Dine in or take out authentic Neapolitan wood-fired pizza at Vero Amore, where every flavorful pizza, pasta, and panini are homemade. Using the finest local and imported ingredients. Vero Amore, Plaza Palomino at Swan and Fort Lowell, and on Dove Mountain in Marana, plus a full catering menu and mobile pizza truck for parties and events. Vero Amore, on the web at VeroAmorePizza.com.
1: The Friends of Pima Animal Care Center is the nonprofit partner to our Pima County Animal Shelter. We grant critically needed resources to PACC so that it can continue the amazing life-saving progress it has made in recent years. Your generosity helps us find homes for abused, neglected, and abandoned animals at PACC. Learn how you can help at friendsofpacc.org.
2: Whether you've considered an all-inclusive luxury cruise, an expedition adventure, or a relaxing river cruise, come to Bon Voyage Travel's annual showcase on March 3rd at the Hilton El Conquistador. Presentations will be offered throughout the day to provide you a chance to hear more about these travel brands and their exciting offers. Bill Buckmaster and I will be teaming up to present the travel trends of 2024. Visit bvtravel.com for more information on Bon Voyage Travel's free showcase on March 3rd.
0: This is Bill Buckmaster urging my listeners to join me in becoming a member of the Reed Park Zoo, one of America's top zoos and home to more than 300 animals from all over the world. When you become a zoo member, you receive free daytime admission, discounts on special events and education programs, and so much more. Find out more about zoo membership and everything you need to know about your zoo visit. ReedParkZoo.org
1: Hi, this is Irene Coppola, President and CEO of the Better Business Bureau, serving Southern Arizona. The BBB sets the standards for marketplace trust by engaging with and educating consumers and businesses. The BBB is the resource to turn to for the objective, unbiased information on businesses offering national and local consumer services online and in person. Learn more about the many services offered by the Better Business Bureau
3: at BBB.org.
0: Family owned and run since 1985, Moe's Gallery and Fine Framing is the gold standard for quality and professionalism for picture framing, custom frame mirrors, art for your walls, and hanging and lighting solutions. Come in for your design session or set it up electronically. Mose Gallery and Fine Framing, Fort Lowell and Dodge, and now doing e-commerce at moesgallery.com. Welcome back. It is the Buckmaster Show, our Friday edition. Again, thanks to Superintendent Tom Horn. Uh, Thanks to Jim Nitzel, who is with me in studio. And uh, Jim's been very busy uh, as the political reporter at TucsonSentinel.com. And uh, I do want to mention that funding for Jim's position is graciously uh, supported by Report for America, a nonprofit organization. And I should say Mm -hmm. half of my salaries
2: it comes from report for America the other half we have to raise locally right. so if you're enjoying what the Tucson Sentinel does or you non-profit, believe what right? the Tucson yeah. Sentinel does mm-hmm. is important uh consider a contribution to our nonprofit effort and it is uh
0: tucsonsentinel.com You uh, wrote recently about uh a constable right uh we have I did. What, we have eight or nine I think in, in Pima County and a lot of people probably the vast majority have no idea <laughs> what they do. They serve papers. They serve papers. Legal papers. Um,
2: So they're, they're often in dangerous situations in terms of, uh, you know, they've got to deliver orders of protection and those are generally going out to people who have, uh, according to the court, had some kind of issue uh, that, that has concerned somebody out there. So, you know, there's that, there's eviction notices, which are also, you know, they're, they're, they're picking up. Uh, according it's to highly the volatile constable. stuff. And yes. Let's face yeah. It, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, we had a constable much... killed. Yes. Delivering an eviction notice yep. uh, not that long ago. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a very dangerous job. Uh, it's an elected job that most people probably once they get through Congress and state lawmaker and county supervisor and all the other offices and propositions that they're voting on probably aren't paying that much attention to. Uh, there's a there's this this district uh, uh, where where Oscar Vasquez uh, the the constable I wrote about this week he hasn't uh, really been at work since April of last year uh, he, he what he he left on what he called uh, medical leave saying he had some health issues the other constables uh, the presiding constable was trying to get some kind of documentation on this and and Oscar did not provide it. Um, he has been in repeated uh, 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 appearances before the uh, constable ethics board the statewide board that has uh, criticized him for a variety of things there was there he had some real issues with uh, the county car uh, he was assigned where he was driving it at a, at a recklessly at high speeds and uh, smashing them up in some cases and returning them in damaged condition. Uh, he uh, had uh, a complaint that he got out of his car and was delivering a summons out in three points and he just urinated and uh, on a on someone's uh, trailer out there. What? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was all well, called on security
0: all... cameras. Oh my so goodness. So it's not as if he can deny And has it. he been collecting a salary
2: while $67,000 he the year, uh, although he so, has been suspended without pay a couple of times, by so who the Pima picks County up Board the of load? Uh, that the fellow constables have country. to then pick up the load uh-huh. uh, of of delivering these uh, summons, and 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 he's on the west side, so there's some pretty long drives out to Three Points or Ajo or you know where wherever you may have to go to. Uh, so is to he serve re- folks Is he planning district. on standing for re-election again? He or? is running for re-election. Uh, signatures are nominating petitions are due on April 1st. So uh, he does uh, uh, last year, last last term at the end of his uh, his uh, first term, he actually got suspended through the remainder of his term starting in, I think, September of, of uh, 2020 uh, or maybe earlier. But um, he uh, he got reelected because he had no opposition. This year he's got opposition from a, uh, a woman out in three points, uh, who has been the Pascua Yaki police chief in the past? Wow. So uh, Tracy yeah. Etheridge Nielsen is her name, and uh, she says, you know, she thinks she would she would respect the constituents and take the job a little more seriously than Oscar does. He's actually got uh, for discussion at the uh, at the Pima County Board of Supervisors next week, and uh, there's some consideration that they may. Uh, remove him from office given his uh, failure to uh, turn up and and do the job uh, or at least suspend him again without pay, uh, which which doesn't seem to have had much of an impact on him. Um, But anyway, yeah, that'll be up for a conversation on Tuesday at the Pima County Board of Supervisors.
0: Jim, you really did a very thorough look at the upcoming Board of Supervisors, the five seats. Uh, all of them are up in this upcoming election. All have competition except for their lone Republican, I believe, Steve Christie right now. There has no opposition in the primary or the general. That's
2: correct. Uh, and we we rounded up what's going on out there. And folks can definitely check that out at TucsonSentinel.com. As, as I said earlier, the nominating petitions aren't due for I know and, and, and until April 1st, they actually moved that up when they moved up the primary, uh, a few, uh, I think just last week at the Arizona legislature, uh, that, that primary, uh, date is now, uh, July 30th, I believe you'll have to check your calendar. Um, but uh, April, April 1st is the new filing deadline, moved back from April 8th, so the folks out there are collecting their signatures. But we've got uh, District 1, currently represented by Rex Scott. That was a district that was a Republican district for many, many years. Uh, Rex won that race by, I think, uh, just a little over 700 votes in 2020, when one of the closest races we have seen in here in, in uh, for for a Bima County Board of Supervisors seat, maybe the closest I've seen, uh, the uh, the man he beat last time, Steve Spain, wants to run again in as as a Republican, and and he's got no uh, competition in that primary. Uh, and uh, Rex also uh, may be facing a primary challenge from a young man named uh, Jake Martin, who's. Uh, uh, he's a student, I student believe. over yeah. at the University of we'll Arizona, see if he and he gets the signatures. We'll see there, if he yeah. gets his signatures. He he has a, a little nonprofit to help uh, victims mm-hmm. of sexual assault that he's already launched. He's a, he's a kind of a go getter, mm-hmm. and uh, you know Rex himself was, I think. The same age when he first ran for a city council seat
0: in Athens, Ohio. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, quickly running out of time. Jim. Oh, uh, so the open true. the open seat is the one really a lot of focus. Yeah, on. District
2: Three, where the, Sharon Bronson uh, resigned. Sylvia Lee was appointed to that seat, and uh, she's not running for the uh, for the four year term. So you got four Democrats in that race. So uh, uh, you got Jennifer Allen, who has already secured the endorsement of Raul Grahava and a whole bunch of other folks, and and raised about forty grand for that race. She was already going to run against Sharon Bronson, so she has a little bit of a head start on the other candidates uh, who include a, a woman from the Tohono Autumn Reservation, April Ignacio. We also have uh, an um, administrator out at Pima Community College named Edgar Soto. And, uh, and then we have a former TUSD board member, Miguel Cuevas, uh, all uh, competing in the Democratic primary over there. The Republican candidate so far is uh, the woman who ran for mayor in Tucson last year, uh, Janet J.L. Wittenbrocker. Mm. And uh, yeah, so that's going to be a, a real interesting uh, race because, it, you know, it's an open seat and we'll, we'll see somebody new there.
0: All right. All of that is at uh, TucsonSentinel.com. You've got a very thorough report, and you're going to be doing uh, reporting on all the races. All the county races are up for...
2: Yeah, we had some more county... Uh, we had some more... Sheriff's
0: more. race, all of them.
2: Yeah. Our hope is certainly to have a very comprehensive election guide uh, when folks go to fill out their ballots. So we're we're rolling on it already and expect more to come in the weeks to come.
0: All right, Jim Nitzel, don't go away because uh, we're going to ask you to do some uh, extra today. We're filling in for Dan Gibson, uh, who's on his way uh, to Ireland, I believe. He's on his way over to Europe. And uh, Jim's going to do a weekend watch for us in studio right after this.
3: Noble Hops is Tucson's original gastropub, serving an ever-changing menu of craft beer and fine fare. Savor the majestic mountain views from the perfect for any season spacious patio at West Lambert Lane in North La Cunyata Drive in Oro Valley. Order in or take out at Noble Hops, a pub for foodies. On the web at noblehops.com. The Regional Transportation Authority Plan is funded by a voter-approved half-cent sales tax. The RTA is the largest annual funder of regional transportation improvements in the region, averaging more than $100 million in tax revenue each year. The RTA is preparing a new 20-year plan for public review prior to a May 2025 election. Sign up at rtanext.com for updates.
1: At Tucson International Airport, we are nonstop for our community. Our main priorities are providing a safe and secure travel experience and excellent customer service. We're also nonstop for landing prosperity in Southern Arizona by attracting new flights for business travel and family getaways. When your airport thrives, our community thrives. So fly local, fly TUS. Tucson International Airport is nonstop for Tucson.
3: Nestled in the foothills of the Santa Rita Mountains of southeastern Arizona is Equine Voices and Sanctuary, home to horses and burros that were rescued from neglect, abuse, abandonment, and slaughter. Please consider Equine Voices Rescue and Sanctuary with a financial gift of support and estate remembrance. Learn more about our vision and values at equinevoices.org. Nonprofit Tucson Wildlife Center has been helping injured, sick, and orphan wildlife in southern Arizona since 1999. They're dedicated to the rescue, medical care, and rehabilitation of sick, injured, and orphaned wildlife with the goal of releasing them back to their natural habitat. Around 5,000 animals a year come to them as they are the only wildlife rescue in southern Arizona. All made possible through donations. They receive no government funding. Please donate at TucsonWildlife.com. Are you happy with the news you get? While not all news is good news, you know good reporting when you see it. Check TucsonSentinel.com every day for breaking news and investigative reports. And your say in the comments. It's all in TucsonSentinel.com, your local independent nonprofit news. You can rely on TucsonSentinel.com for solid reporting about immigration, Tucson and Pima politics, everything from the border to baseball. It's independent news without the spin. TucsonSentinel.com. We are watching Tucson. Tucson.
0: And away we go with a weekend watch presented by our friends in Silver City in Grant County, New Mexico. Only about a three hour drive uh, to a very pretty area of the Land of Enchantment. A lot to do over there. Uh, all sorts of outdoor activities like hiking in the Gila National Wilderness and visiting the world-famous Cliff Dwellings National Monument. And it's going to be really weather-wise a very good weekend uh, to get away if it's in the mid-70s here. Usually, I don't know, about 5 to 10 degrees cooler over there. That's great hiking weather, say mid-60s. So uh, check it out. Their website is southwestnewmexico.org. You will find all sorts of activities uh, there on the website. Uh, that will tempt you to make the trip over to Silver City. Normally, we call on our weekend watch host, Dan Gibson, to give us uh, three or four top items for the week, but uh, I've asked Jim Ninsel to do the duties for us with weekend watch. Jim, what's what's on your list? What's going on this weekend?
2: Well, you know, I, I think you had someone on the show earlier this week talking about this. I we've did. got a, a big pet parade. And and it's going to be so uh, much
0: fun. Pet Uh, Parade and the the Friends of uh, Pack Festival. Pima Um, Animal Care Center, Pack, they do such a great job. They're the support wing for the Pima Animal Care Center. And uh, uh, Monica Dangler was with us on the show Monday. And I think Monica said there were like thousands of people at last year's parade. Yeah,
2: no, people love their pets. So you're going to have a little process. Session de los Perros going on and then uh, TEP's got a cat convoy. If you bring your cat, it can take a ride or you can walk your cat, although that can be challenging.
0: Uh, Yeah. Um, Just getting the cat into the pet mobile. (laughs) Right. Claws out. I mean, oh, boy. I've had some cats that do not want to get anywhere near an automobile, but go ahead. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I think that that
2: it's going to be based on your own cat's interest in participating in this parade. And then whatever else you got, you know, the goats and the sheep and the whatever. Mm -hmm. This is kind of the third leg of this parade. Uh, all 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 creatures are welcome. It starts at ten a.m. down at uh, First Street and Sixth Avenue, and then it'll circle basically around to Fourth Avenue, where the where your where our friends at Friends of Pack will be having their festival. So a big pet celebration in the downtown
0: area. And on, a quick uh, shout Sunday out Sunday morning. Tucson Subaru is the the kind of the title sponsor, and they've they've helped out a lot. They did last year and uh, this year as well. So. Kudos to them.
2: Yes, indeed,
0: indeed. Uh, Sunday night
2: at uh, Hotel Congress, a guy I used to listen to a lot in uh, high school, Marshall Crenshaw wow. is coming to town. Uh, kind of a rockabilly sound. Yeah, Crenshaw with the fiddle. Uh, someday, day, some way, you know, he had a had a great uh, hit with that one, uh, and uh, he's going to be here Sunday night outdoors at Hotel Congress. Beautiful outdoor patio there. Hopefully. Uh, a little bit of warmer weather mm-hmm. on our Sunday night, mm-hmm. and uh, it sounds like you know I, I it's it I am going because boy I, I I wore those records out yeah uh, when I was a kid and so it'll be a nice little nice little shot of nostalgia into my veins.
0: I wonder but, if he's uh, still with it, an original members of his group. That's Who knows that I I I'm not sure. But boy, maybe uh, like Gary Plunkett in the is, Union
2: Gap, it was yeah, yeah. It keeps you <laughs> know this is the oldie show. I think it's, it's he's he's billing this as forty years in show business uh, oh. tour. I guess he he uh, had his first album in '82. So, wow, didn't uh, doing this for a long time. Terrific performer. So I'm real I'm quick looking forward to that. Real quickly, a third item. Oh yeah, uh, magics for humans uh, in person. Uh, is going on, uh, down at, um, down at the, uh, Rialto theater, uh, tonight as a matter of fact. And, uh, this fella's been on the tonight show and the Magic Today show, show mm-hmm. and, uh, he's, he's hosted the, uh, yeah. uh, like the, ba- uh, baking cupcake wars shows on okay. the food networks and stuff. He's a, Tonight, very funny. Uh, yeah, tonight. Uh, I gotta go. Friday night. All
0: right, bye. Thank you, Jim Buckmaster. Show presentation of Bill Buckmaster Communications, which is wholly responsible for the content of our program. Thanks to Tom Fairbanks and the entire team here at Bustos Media in Tucson. Hope everybody has a great Presidents' Day weekend. Be well and stay safe.